There's a trouble brewing in Ethereum's paradise, and Bitcoin is beating bonds. I'm Ryan, that's Brian, and these are your top investment headlines from the last seven days. Headline number one, NFTs have entered the music industry. So there were some big headlines uh, this week in NFTs, and of course, NFTs are everywhere now, but it's still making big headlines in terms of branching out and trying new things. So this week, uh, Kings of Leon, or Leon, I don't know how to say the name, the band, you know the band Kings of Leon, Brian, that I'm talking about? Yeah, I've heard of them. I'm not super familiar with them, though. Yeah, I, I should know them better. I, I've, anyways, uh, they have released their a new album as an NFT. And so this is a first time a band has ever released an album. There's been some music released as NFTs, but the idea behind this is kind of interesting. So what they're doing is you can buy this NFT, which is their album. And with this NFT, you have access to a link that you can download the album. So that's how you get the music is this private link that you get with the NFT uh, and then also you have like this album artwork cause NFTs are always some collectible item, right? So there's this kind of like GIF looking, um, artwork that comes with the album specific to the album. You also get like, uh, behind this, or, uh, VIP access to one of their concerts with the NFT. Mm. It acts like a ticket, Oh. Uh, which is something we talked about last week with like, you know, the N- NBA is looking to use NFTs as tickets. So this would act as a ticket, as a VIP ticket. Um, and, and so just kind of interesting how they're, you know, kind of branching out. And, and what's interesting also, I don't know if they've done this, but something that's cool with NFTs that you can do is you can establish a royalty on your NFT. And so, uh, you know, if the band, for example, sells their album to someone, and then that person decides they want to sell the NFT to someone else. They want to sell the album to someone else. The band can establish some royalty, like 10% fee or whatever. So every time the NFT gets resold, 10% of that money automatically goes back to the band. Oh, wow. And so the band can collect royalties automatically as these NFTs keep getting sold. And so if you can create some album that serves as a collector's item. Oh, also, I think it comes with a... A gold vinyl or something, uh, vinyl record. Um, I'm not sure how that plays into the NFT. Maybe it gets, just gets shipped to your house. Anyways, um, and so you know you have these kind of interesting royalty fees tied into it as well. So the band can really generate some nice money if it's a collectible item that people want to keep reselling, and if it keeps bumping up in value like NFTs have done. So it's kind of an interesting way for for bands to enter the uh, the NFT space. See, I like that way better than like just some art. You know, maybe it's because yeah. I'm not an art guy. You know, but that seems more practical. Like some uses. You know, like you can actually use something like that. Like actually have an experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess some people might argue looking at a digital photo or moment is an experience, but <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like I just feel like that's a way better use of the the technology of NFT. For sure. Yeah, exactly. It's, 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 you know, not just a collectible. It, it provides you some actual real life value in addition to having a nice little momentous, you know, m- m- memento so you can remember some, you know, event it's, and a way to support your 
your favorite band. You know, it's, it's a cool idea. It is. Oh, and also what I think is interesting about it, uh, a lot of their fans are not crypto savvy. And so they actually, uh, I think the album sale was already supposed to end, but so many people complained because they couldn't figure out how to purchase these NFTs because <laughs> as you know, Brian, it is kind of a process to get oh, yeah. into the crypto realm and, and figure out how to buy these NFTs. And the band has tried to, they've, they've teamed up with some company that has tried to streamline it as much as possible, but there's still a lot of bumps in the road when you're trying to, to buy NFTs. It's not a smooth process currently. And so I know a lot of their fans were upset but it's an interesting way to bring people into the crypto fold and expose, you know, help help them experience, uh, you know, h- how to get started and what it's all about. Anyway, so I think I think as this becomes more common, people will become more comfortable with it, and hopefully, also, the NFTs will develop a, a smoother rollout, similar to what uh, like NBA Top Shot has done. It sounds like they have really streamlined their process of getting p- regular people buying these NFTs. Here's a question for you. So right now, it seems like it, it, there's kind of an entry barrier to NFTs. And like, you know, it, it does take a little bit more tech tech savvy people, right? Mm-hmm. And I, it almost feels like this like unique <laughs> like experience on how to like get one, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> you would think like, okay, as soon as this is like perfected as far as like the process of getting something and selling and, you know, buying all that, like you would imagine that if it's already having this much success with these barriers, that once it actually does become more user-friendly, that it would actually skyrocket even more because it opens up to probably a whole new demographic. Right. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if it would lose some of that, uh, that edge, you know, like where it feels kind of exclusive almost, hmm. you know, where it's like not very many people are doing it. It's like that barrier almost adds to the element of like rarity and like, I don't know. What do you think on that? Yeah. It's interesting. It's like, it's like you're in the cool kids club, if you yeah. know how to get NFTs and you have an NFT and you, you feel like you're important because you know how to do it. Yeah, right, I, right. I get that. You know, I, I think NBA Top Shot is an interesting example because, like I said, regular people are buying it without even realizing that they're interacting with the crypto space. Because you can you can buy the NFTs on NBA Top Shot with a credit card, I believe. Like, you don't have mm-hmm. to have some fancy crypto wallet. Um, you can buy it with crypto, but I'm pretty sure you can just buy it through a credit card and the fees are very minimal because it's actually not built on Ethereum. It has its own blockchain. Uh, and so I think there is a way to, to, to make it easier for regular people to get involved, but at the same time, you know, still going strong, right? Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I think it does, like you said, it does kind of lose something when it's not fully, decentralized it's not fully on the blockchain you can't have it fully decentralized if you're still having some kind of middleman handling credit card transactions or you know right, whatever right and so I, 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 to a crypto enthusiast it, it it doesn't feel genuine to me uh, but i think that is the the future of it that's how it's going to have to be in order for there to be a wide scale adoption and uh so I think I think you're right. I think to crypto enthusiasts, there will always be that. Oh, that's not true, decentralized, uh, you know, blockchain usage. But I think I think that is the way to get more people involved. 
Headline number two, bonds are dead and Bitcoin is the answer. I like this one, Brian. I already like this one. (laughs) Keep going. (laughs) More and more people are saying that bonds are terrible investments. And in the last couple of weeks, you know, the famous fund manager, we talked about her in the past, Kathy Wood, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So she said that we need to replace bonds with Bitcoin in our portfolio. <laughs> so she thinks that because of interest rates being so low, you know, you know, rates can only go up from here, you know, which will cause bond prices to go down. So investors are looking for other options. You know, this is a common problem that people are seeing, um, you know, other options for their por- portfolio. Um, but before you know, I dive into what your thoughts are on that. Just real quick, do you do you remember the difference between a bond and a stock, Ryan? You know, I've never bought into bonds, and so I don't know too much about them. Okay, so here's just a quick rundown. So bonds, here's a little rhyme that will help you remember. Oh boy, bonds you loan, and stocks you own. Ooh. So, so bonds, you're loaning a company or the government money. Uh, right when you buy a bond and then stocks you are part owner of the company Hmm. and when you loan money you get you know in a bond you get interest payments so for example let's say that you have a business and you needed money and so you come to me and ask for a loan and you tell me that you'll pay me interest and I'm happy since I'm getting some interest but then you realize you know after maybe a few months that your business isn't working out and you're going to have to shut it down. Well, if you're shutting down, you have to pay me back first. And then if you have any money from the business left over, you as the owner would get the remainder, right? So bondholders get paid first and then the stockholders do. So it's more risky. You know, it's considered to be more risky to be a stockholder compared to a bondholder is that does that make sense it does yeah i I could see a really nice nursery rhyme being formed off of that (laughs) i'm sure there is maybe there is (laughs) so bonds have played a major role in a portfolio at least they have in the past Uh, but like i said interest rates have gone down and down over the years so investors have been taking more risk outside of bonds uh, and things like stocks and crypto markets, you know, so they can get higher returns because interest rates are so low, you know, in your mm-hmm. savings account, you're getting, you know, like less than 1%. So typically when you're younger, you might own more stocks in your portfolio, but transition it to be more bonds, you know, as you, as you get older to reduce the risk. And, you know, the typical split that you hear a lot of the time is 60-40, a 60-40 blend, which means that, you know, 60% stocks, 40% bonds. If, you know, if if people think that's not going to work, right, that strategy, the alternative is investing in 100% stocks or better yet, replace the 40%, you know, in bonds with Bitcoin, (laughs) And that's that's when I have an issue with this line of thinking. So, I mean, I think stocks are a risk, right? You know, investing is a risk. Uh-huh. Crypto is obviously speculation. Right? Bigger I risk. Like, yeah, bigger risk. 
So to plug in stocks or crypto into a portfolio to replace bonds is insanity to me. You know, there there there's a reason for the bonds in a portfolio, and it's re to reduce risk and to still get some return, right? And I feel like this is the kind of conversations we start having. And, you know, when we're getting this type of environment where the market is so speculative and everybody eats risk for breakfast, right? <laughs> everybody got so desensitized to risk that they think cash and bonds just have zero place in the world, right? And I, I just think that we're being kind of a prisoner of the moment, you know, where it's like, all right, I see how that is right now, but I mean, this is... I mean, bonds have been around for, you know, hundreds of years and they are, they're like way bigger than the stock market. They're like 10 times bigger than the stock market. So, I mean, if, if that's like done, you know, then say goodbye to everything else basically is my opinion. But anyway, what, what, what yeah. do you think? What, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's interesting. You know, it, it does kind of reflect the safety that people feel in speculating right now. The safety that, oh, it's it's okay to speculate with my money because everything's going up. And we know that that can't, that can't last forever. And uh, so when Kathy Woods says that, though, so she's not saying that they're analogous investments. She's saying the money that you would put into bonds, you should be putting into Bitcoin. Yeah, it would be better like to to diversify your portfolio. You know, instead of allocating in towards bonds, you put it in bitcoin instead yeah and, and and to me that doesn't make much sense at all i, I you know I, I think it is good to have s some safer investments and in that case you're you're going completely away from that and you're just assuming that all investments are safe right now which is not the case right it is that is that a, a typical like uh, what is it called when you're just like involved with bitcoin like where you think bitcoin's the answer for everything bitcoin maximalist Bitcoin maximalist is is that like a is that a a symptom of a, bi a Bitcoin maximalist is when they think you know it's kind of the answer for everything. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it, where they think it's the answer to all future finance uh, in right. general. Yeah. Oh, bonds aren't working. Bitcoin. <laughs> Gold's not working. Bitcoin. Yeah. You know, <laughs> everything is Bitcoin. <laughs> Headline number three: A crypto lending company accidentally hired an escaped convict as their CFO. So this was a, a, a crypto lending company called Cred, because, you know, it's credible, of course. Uh, they, they hired some dude to be their CFO. And then the company went bankrupt, and they had some issues with this, this uh, employee of theirs, their CFO. He, they, they found... He was trying to take it over with some some other side business stuff. He was uh, diverting some of their money off into his own personal accounts, and he was he lost some of their money as well, and that's why they had to go bankrupt. Anyways, it all came out that they had accidentally hired this guy that was an escaped convict. He had been charged for financial crimes in the UK, and then broke out of jail, broke out of prison, and they never found him. And then, then this guy just uh, gets hired on as a CFO. Uh, <laughs> what 
company is this or it, it was a, it was a crypto crypto lending company called Cred. They're bankrupt. Oh, they're not. They're, I don't think they're anymore now. <laughs> <laughs> That's nuts. What, what a what a story, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, trust us. Trust us with their money, except our CFO, who is a uh, who has been charged of uh, illegal financial crimes. Yeah. You can't you can't make that stuff up. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd love to know what they were thinking. I mean, he must have had an incredible interview. Uh, right. Do you not the, need a background check or anything? I, mean, I know. I was gonna say, what about what happened to the background check? Oh, you're hired on the spot. Are you ready to go? <laughs> you, you seem anxious to to get hired. Sure, you can be our CFO. <laughs> you have experience handling money. Oh, sure. Okay, good enough for us. Be careful on the uh, crypto companies that you decide to go with. Make sure they're they got some cred. Yeah, very nice. Headline number four. Is an Ethereum miner rebellion on the horizon? All right, Brian. So there's trouble brewing in Ethereum paradise. Uh-oh. So if you remember last week, I told you about some proposals that had been approved in Ethereum to that would be passed in the next coming months that would hopefully reduce gas fees, so reduce the transaction costs, transaction oh, yeah. fees on Ethereum. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and along with that, they would actually be burning the supply of Ether or reducing the supply of Ether every time you, someone makes a transaction, which would actually almost have an, a deflationary effect on the coin supply. Um, right. And so a lot of people were really excited about this, except for the people that normally get those, that, those fees as income, which are the miners that run the network. So these miners are the ones that run the network. Whenever you make a transaction, your fees go to them you're actually paying them to continue to run the ethereum network right these are just the miners are just random people across the globe that are donating their computer parts to run this network and so obviously miners are not happy about having their income reduced by this proposal and some estimates have said they're going to reduce their uh, income by up to 50 percent um Whoa. I think that's income off transaction fees is what they're talking about there. But uh, still it should be pretty significant um dent in what they they make. And so there has been some coordinated efforts uh of miners across the globe to actually revolt and uh reject uh anyway it's kind of hard to explain but basically they're going to ignore this update for a little bit, and and it will really affect the the network badly um, if you get enough miners refusing to participate in the network's uh, upgrade, these proposals. And basically, if they refuse to upgrade their systems, then the network does not get upgraded. Interesting. Uh, it's, it's a really interesting dynamic with Ethereum because you have kind of three governing bodies in this decentralized network you have the developers who write the code and to like you know implement the code to make things changed on the network you have the users the people like you and i who have the tokens and they we do transactions and interact with the network and then you have the miners who are running the network and all three parts have to come to an agreement they all three parts have to work together to make this work and so there's compromises that have to be made and the developers tried to make compromises and the community tried to make compromises with the miners um 
but uh, it's just not good enough for the miners. Anyways, uh, with Ethereum 2.0, which I think we've mentioned several times now, this upgrade, this big upgrade that's coming, the miners will basically be no more because Ethereum will be moving on to a new type of system of, you know, mechanic of running the network where miners are not involved. Oh. And so miners are going to be losing their income anyways once that happens. And they're going to have to switch over to the way that the, the new upgraded network will run. And so the developers are trying to speed up the process of upgrading to Ethereum 2.0 to avoid the miners having any kind of significant rebellion. Well, what would happen if they do have this rebellion and then 2.0 is ready? Like, would that uh, they hinder can, anything? They, they should still be able to push out the, the upgrade, and then you'd get kind of a, I believe you get some kind of a hard fork, similar to Ethereum Classic that happened back in the day, where you just have separate blockchains. But I uh, don't think that's going to happen. A lot of people are skeptical that would happen, but it's, it's possible. And that's kind of what happens with these decentralized communities, is not everyone's going to agree and uh, if everyone gets a say, then things can get kind of messy if, if, you know, you get a significant portion of people not happy. Headline number five, will India ban Bitcoin? Well, really, the headline should be, I guess, will India ban bonds? Because we've just learned that bonds and Bitcoin are, are synonymous. <laughs> so this comes out, India, uh, supposedly, so I've, I've been hearing rumblings of this for months now, of India, India's government proposing to ban cryptocurrency. Um, and uh, I know a lot of their targeting is on Bitcoin, but I believe it's it's all Bit- it's cryptocurrency in general. They don't like the idea of there being private cryptocurrencies. India is trying to introduce their own digital currency. Uh, and so I guess, I don't know if they see the cryptocurrency as a threat to their digital, digital currency, but some of the proposed... Uh, This proposed bill, government officials think will get passed. This bill says that if you own cryptocurrency, if you mine it, if you transact with it, it's illegal and you can be put in jail. Anyway, so so severe uh, punishments for participating with cryptocurrency. This would be the first major economy in the world that will have done this if it does pass. Whoa. I mean, that's obviously one of the biggest concerns of any crypto investor, right, in user is, well, what if uh, governments decide to ban it? Because then what can you do? I mean, you don't want to be thrown in jail or have some huge fine. And so I wonder, does does India have, like, a lot of users? And, like, I mean, would it take a big hit, you know, to the crypto community if, I mean, obviously that's not good, but, I mean, how big of a scale are they in the crypto world? Do you know? I think just because of the fact that they have billions of people, a bill, over a billion people, right? That they are a big contributor to it, and it would would impact it. I don't know exactly what percentage um, yeah. they play in it because this has been floating around in India for a while. I think like even in back in 2019, they're introducing proposals of how to punish people that hold cryptocurrencies. This has been going on for a while, and, I, and so I think it has kept people in India somewhat out of the picture. Mm. But, uh, but no, but any, any kind of big economy that's blocked, banned from a cryptocurrency would have a big impact, I think. 
Yeah, especially for the growth for the future. Right, exactly. And if the whole idea behind cryptocurrency is it's a global currency, uh, it's kind of hard to have a global currency if part of the globe is is banned from participating. Yeah, I mean, it's, I guess one question with that is like, not that I'm su- supporting, you know, not following the law or anything like that, but <laughs> I mean, would people even know, like... I mean, if you put your crypto on hard storage, I guess if you, you'd have to be able to use it, you know, and maybe that, I mean, even then, can they track, like, how do they enforce that? They enforce it through centralized exchanges. They, they track, they enforce it through centralized wallets. And so if you are storing your crypto on any kind of centralized service, a lot of times they have, uh, what's called a KYC or AML, basically, uh, uh, know your KYC, know your customer. Basically, you have to verify that it's you. You have to like submit a picture of your photo ID and your name. Mm. And uh, you know, like whenever you like, if you sign up for Coinbase, for example, and you, you have to do that kind of stuff. And so these centralized exchanges will have your identity. And so as long as you're using any kind of centralized, um, current you know exchange or wallet the government can track you what about if it's only decentralized like platforms you're using yeah you could do that but it's it's hard to transfer from a decentralized exchange or decentralized anything into what your bank account i mean how do you how do you get the money back you're really just gonna have to hold it in your decentralized lending accounts or whatever until hopefully the government changes its mind or until you Hmm. Go out of the country, I guess. Um, Interesting. So, I mean, that is that is an option, but uh, you can't really not, bring not it into your 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 country's fiat without being uh, tracked. All right, we'll call that a wrap for this week's headlines. Uh, check back with us on Friday, where we'll be talking about buying on margin. Is that correct, Brian? Is that our topic yep. for the day? All right, and check out the stories that we have to share there. Uh, And uh, catch us on the socials. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Fool's Gold. That's G-O-A-L-E-D. And hey, if you got a question for us, we would love to address those questions, answer those questions. You can even email us. We have an email, uh, foolsgoldcoin at gmail.com. So send us an email. Uh, our inbox is lonely over there. And we, we would love to address any questions you guys have or any topics you think would be good to address on this podcast. But until next time, Brian, I'll talk to you later. See you later. <laughs>